Welcome to Couch Time. I am your host, Susie, a licensed marriage and family therapist, joined by my co-host, Janet, licensed clinical social worker. Thank you for joining our show where we dive into topics like mental health and relationship wellness, along with sharing our experiences and lessons learned on our road to licensure and building a private practice. You can connect with us at roadtowellness.co and susiehologian.com, where you can also find show notes for this episode. And we're so excited to be here today for the introduction to our podcast. We're definitely going to be talking about what brought us here today and some of our goals and intentions for this podcast. But first, maybe what we can do is just share a little bit about ourselves. Susie, would you like to share a little bit about you? Of course. So I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. I work out of Los Angeles, California. I would say that I am still finding my way within the field as it's ever changing, but I absolutely love that fact about it. So this is something that is really important to me because, you know, I feel like it's one of those paths that didn't really come to me when I was thinking while I was growing up, like, what am I going to be? I never thought I'm going to be a therapist. So I feel like I grew into the field, which makes it feel so warm and inviting to me. And it's really something that I've come to love and enjoy. That's amazing. And I imagine, you know, within your experience, at least this has been my experience too, that the field has changed quite a bit. Absolutely. I think like that's one of the things that scared me the most about it, but it's become one of the things that I absolutely love because I'm finding that the older I get, I'm not able to enjoy things that stay the same because it feels like it starts getting boring almost. And this field is becoming so modern and so accepted and destigmatized socially, which helps it so much more. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I'm similar to you. We have similar licenses. They might as well be the same, but they're a little (laughs) bit different. I'm an LCSW licensed clinical social worker, and I have been working as a therapist as an associate since 2016 and opened up my private practice in 2019. And I'm sure you've, you've seen this. A lot of therapists have seen this, but I think mental health was very much more talked about in 2020 when we were all in lockdown. And so while I wish it wasn't because of that, I think it's great that, you know, more and more people went to therapy, more and more people found it accessible with the resurgence of telehealth. And I'm sort of in this place where I tend to say yes to everything and take on a lot, which has its pros and cons. And so I'm kind of selfishly with this podcast, using this time in a way to talk with you and and reflect. and, And I think also reflect with a lot of our listeners on what the field is like right now. What do we want to destigmatize? What's important? I know in future episodes, we definitely want to have guests and other mental health professionals join us. Um, and talk about their experiences in the field. So I really appreciate and love this space and time to absolutely do that. I could not have said it better myself. It really feels like we want to build a community, not just for people who are interested in mental health and want to spread mental health awareness, but Janet, like you said, the community of therapists here need a little bit of that break, you know, whether you're starting your journey as an associate 
and need a little bit of a guide of where to go, what to do, what to look out for, or if you've been a therapist for, you know, some odd years and need that space to decompress and to, to almost like look at the lighter side of things as your life as a therapist. Why don't we actually start with talking about how we came up with the name Couch Time Podcast, because I actually think it's a funny story. I remember when you and I talked about it, like we had this image, I think this is the old, like stereotypical image where as a client, you go see a therapist and you lie down on their couch and you sort of like vent and share everything that's going on. And then the therapist is like a blank slate, not saying anything, just taking notes And we thought it would be a funny play to sort of make fun of that because that's so opposite of what, in my opinion, therapy is. Uh, But I wanted to hear, you know, what did you think of us creating this, this title? You know, I would agree. It was almost like a play on words or a play on history with that, right? And it's weird because that kind of still is what we do, right? But we don't have that blank slate mentality where we just hum and nod and, you know, agree with everything that our clients say. I think modern therapists take so much more of an active role. But again, we do spend most of our time as clients, as therapists, sitting on a couch across from another human being on a couch and spill everything. So, you know, it feels like an homage to the past of what therapy used to be, but it also feels like it encompasses what most people are comfortable with understanding of what therapy is. For sure. And I I agree with you in that it's an homage to the past because when I think of that image, I think I've even seen that image like in comic books or something in the funnies mm-hmm. and I'm kind of aging myself there when we actually got paper <laughs> newspapers. <laughs> it's funny, like when I think about that and I think about the history of just psychotherapy in general, a lot of the fathers, I'm kind of putting that in quotes of psychotherapy were middle-aged white men. When we think about Freud and, you know, psychoanalysis and and just some of those, you know, different modalities. And I totally agree with you. There's been such an evolution. And I know even my identity as a therapist, like I never wanted to be so clinical. I think my training in grad school said, you never disclose anything about your life Mm -hmm. with clients or, you try to wait for the right time to share certain things and, and try to have an complete unbias. And while I understand that level of education, I think it's probably a good foundation. If a client's telling me that they're being abused by their partner, of course, I'm going to have a reaction. Of course, I'm going to be biased and I want my client to be healthy and safe. There is, I agree with you, a lot more interaction in terms of I think as therapists, we should probably share a little bit more feedback than some of the the grandfathers of psychotherapy, while at the same time, bringing more of ourselves and more of who we are into the field. I know personally, and I, I understand why a lot of grad programs require this, where you have to do your own work as a therapist, your own therapy in order to resolve some of your own stuff to show up, you know, in front of another person. And I I get that because a lot of our personality and and sometimes even our own values come forward. 
Yeah. A lot of what I take away from that evolution is that therapists are humans too. Mm -hmm. And to me, you know, old school, traditional therapy almost discouraged that idea because it was supposed to be all in all about the client somehow with this idea that if you brought yourself into the room, then it wouldn't be beneficial. And it would only seem like you're taking away from the client. And I want to say that's always something that you should be aware of as a therapist. If Janet, like you said, like if you do decide to disclose, or if you do decide to show your countertransference a little bit, you never do it in a way that takes away from the client's experience, but there is an artful way of doing it so that the client understands that you get it right. Or you are there for them and you are trying to understand and you're trying to make this experience as comfortable for them as possible. It's funny because I was actually thinking about this this week after a couple of my sessions and there's still this guilt in me when I feel like I'm having fun in my sessions and I don't feel like a strict clinical middle-aged man who is doing therapy and I'm having fun and I'm laughing with my clients and I'm joking about things and finding creative ways to talk about what they're bringing into session. And part of me feels this guilt of, oh my God, what would my professor say right now? <laughs> like, I'm bringing myself so much into the room and I have to snap myself out of it because I am a different therapist. And then part of me feels like my client's feed off of that in a way that I see them open up more. And if I found myself just nodding, checking boxes and writing down notes in session and not really being engaged in the session in that way, then I don't think they would find it as helpful as they do. So yeah, it's weird. I still think about that sometimes. I'm like, oh, was that clinical enough of a session? Like, did I do enough textbook work in that session. It's weird. Like even when we try and talk about modernizing therapy and bringing it to the new age, I think we, we were taught those things so strictly that it does still come up. I completely agree. I even think in my own experiences going to therapy, I've probably had many different kinds of people in front of me. I remember distinctly though, that my, one of my first therapists was one of those like blank slate therapists. I would kind of show up, vent and cry. And then I didn't really get much back. I got a lot of listening, a lot of nodding. And I, I didn't really understand what I was supposed to get out of this other than like, you know, the ventilation of feelings. It wasn't until maybe my next experience in therapy where the therapist was a lot more interactive and offering feedback. And I was like, oh, this is cool. This is yeah. so much more needed for me. And, and I guess it depends. So when we're talking about this, not to say one is better than the other, but it's like, as a person, as a client, we want to ask ourselves, like, what do we need? Do we need someone to be a good listener and to not really share? Do we want a little bit more feedback? Do we want some more solutions showing up in the therapy session? I think those are good questions to ask. For sure. Absolutely. And this is why I think this was one of the main driving points of why we wanted to create a space to talk about these things, because there is space in the field for both types of therapy. And believe me, yeah. there are so many more types, right? Yeah. And, you know, that I would say one of our other points is building a private practice 
sucks. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Okay. <laughs> it absolutely sucks. Grad school does not prepare you for it. You have no idea what you're looking for when you graduate or when you become licensed along with, you know, finding your style as a therapist. One of the other important pieces for us was knowing how to build a private practice if that's where you want to head into and, and just having some direction with that. I know both of us have found ourselves questioning, what do I do? Where do I look for these answers? How do I find them? So I think we both really wanted to create almost like a guide and a helpful path of things to look out for, questions to ask, things to consider that you need legally, space-wise, not that we can provide that type of legal guidance, but there are so many little details that you need to know when you do become licensed. So do you feel like that like is one of those things that was difficult for you when you were starting your private practice? Yeah, I mean, it was. And I mean, when I got licensed, it wasn't that long ago, it was 2019. Luckily, by then, there were a lot of therapists that were actually, again, those modern therapists that were creating those courses, online courses, or even just like helpful checklists of what you can do to start your private practice. And that was what really helped me. Like, who knows what types of forms to fill out mm-hmm. and have to register your business with the city and open up, you know, a business bank account. And I mean, now looking back, like it's not as bad as I thought it was. Like it was, it's simple looking, looking back at it now, but then I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Yeah. So, in the moment, it doesn't feel like it. A lot of it too is like, just like language that I don't understand, like business lingo that I don't understand. And I don't know what the right check mark to, to fill out when doing certain things. It was a lot of trial and error. I'm sure a lot of therapists experience that. A lot of what I do now is still trial and error, to be quite Mm -hmm. honest. What's important, I think, for us here is to also incorporate just the the back end aspect of being a therapist, that it's not just sitting with a client that is a big part of it, but it's setting your business up and also documentation and worrying about legal things and trainings that we have to do and keeping up all of our licenses. And now more and more therapists are licensed in multiple states and keeping track of that. There's just a lot to it. And, you know, not, not to go on this like crazy tangent or spiel, you know, I'm sure you get this too. Sometimes people question like, why do therapists charge so much money? Why is it 100 to 200 an hour? And it's because not only because of our education and our clinical knowledge and expertise, but it's also like all of this backend work that we have to do that in order to keep ourselves up and running in terms of our businesses. Absolutely. For a future note, I think talking about the value of therapy would be very important to me at least. And I think that partly goes into one of our other, one of the really important facets of why we started this is because I think in the past there have been ideas that therapy isn't as valuable or that people don't appreciate it as much as they might do their physical health, right? We hear that analogy a lot. I think that's one of those things that is very important to me because mm-hmm. it also leads into so, so much stigma and stereotypes and all of these negative connotations of what therapy is. It's hard to be a therapist and want to defend it so badly by people who may not understand it or are not as exposed to the norms of therapy. So 
for me, that was also one of those things that really made me want to become a better therapist really, but also become this, like create this open conversation space in the field of therapy. Yeah, it for sure is. It's an investment of self and, and we can certainly do more topics around this because it is important as part of not only sharing, you know, the investment of self, but destigmatizing some of this too. But I also wanted us to get into, since we are on the topic of modern therapy, what do you think about the just surgence of therapists on social media? Like we see so many on Instagram, now so many on TikTok. There's a lot of therapists on Facebook sharing helpful content. So I'm curious to hear what you think about it. To be honest... I mean, okay, overall umbrella reaction, I freaking love it. It feels so much more accessible and it feels very approachable. I think in the past, therapy hasn't really been approachable. And Janet, I'm sure you've heard clients or potential clients talk about this when they call and they say like, I don't really know where to start. I tried talking to my insurance and they didn't really help guide me or you know, I, I tried to Google therapists in my area and I was just given these long, long lists of therapists and I didn't really know what I was looking for. And I think the therapist community on social media is really making it fun, accessible, but also interactive and educational. And I love that because it's such an easy way to spread mental health awareness. I will say on the other end, like speaking as a therapist, it feels intimidating mm -hmm. because it feels like this new field that I need to jump into and get comfortable with and reevaluate. Do I have anything valuable that I can provide this community? Do I have anything worth talking about? That's obviously my own imposter syndrome kicking in at times, but I love it. And it also terrifies me to put in short. Yeah. Janet, how about you? You've, you might not agree with me, but you have been killing it on social media. Thank you. Can I ask what makes you feel that way? Cause I have imposter syndrome about that. Oh my God. I mean, isn't it funny how like when you talk to someone who views and witnesses your stuff, they will, they would never be able to guess that. I think the information you provide is so helpful and it's specific to the specialties that you work with, which I think is very important, but also you put personality into it. And that's something that I think myself and maybe some other therapists struggle with is putting yourself out there, whether it's a physical picture, whether it's doing a live, whether it's coming on every once in a while to stories and talking with your audience. I think that's so important to show who you are, you're a human. And I think you connect so well with people by doing that, just by showing your face. You have such a calm presence. So mm -hmm. I love that because it's not just a page of quotes and textbook information and all of that stuff. So I think it's the fact that you show people who you are and that takes vulnerability. Thank you. I am going to receive your compliment and not <laughs> challenge it at all so that I can calm down my imposter syndrome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Of course. I will remind you every chance I get. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, okay. So I agree with you for sure. I love it in that there's such amazing educational tools out there. I really feel like the therapists that do amazing work and amazing content really destigmatize a lot and just 
break things down to make things so simple. There are some therapists that, for example, specialize in things that I don't specialize in. So like anytime I read their stuff, for example, around like OCD, I'm like, oh, this is really helpful to understand it and to just dumb it down in a way where like all of us can get it. Mm -hmm. That's what I love about a lot of, you know, the people that I follow. And, and I love the therapists that essentially try to talk about like difficult subjects. So there's a lot of therapists that post things about abuse or narcissistic abuse or toxic and dysfunctional families. And, and these are things that we've always been talking about as therapists. You know, it's, it's part of our education. It's always what we've been talking about in sessions with clients, but to put it out there and in a way to simplify it so that everyone can understand I'm actually finding that a lot more clients that I am working with that either find me through social media or, you know, are on social media frequently already have like a baseline understanding of a lot of these things. So it just helps our conversation and make things flow a little bit deeper. And so I think what I'm kind of trying to do is I'm again, trial and error, like I don't have things perfectly, but I tr sort of tried to model that and for sure talk about things that are maybe a little bit taboo to talk about. Like I, I just did a post on Instagram on porn and its impact on relationships. And I got so many messages about it of like people in a way, just like thanking me for posting something like that because they've never thought about, you know, their relationship to porn or the specific questions that I encourage people ask of themselves. They indicated that like, they never asked themselves that question. And I really appreciated that feedback. And it's like, we need to be talking about those things more and more and more. And so in that sense, I love the educational component too. However, at the same time, like you, I'm also overwhelmed because to try to keep up with all the content out there, to try to follow a lot of the pages we follow. I mean, we can only take so much in before we feel overwhelmed and burnt out by social media. So it's honestly like a fine line, a fine line of how much am I gonna be on there and how much am I going to do the scrolling and how much am I gonna have that balance of just like living life. I 100% agree with you. One on the idea of normalizing taboo conversations. You know, we're finding that so many more people, and actually I see it more on my personal pages now, people are willing to talk about these things. You know, I think both and both you and I are used to therapists talking about them, but like you said, to see day-to-day -day people being able to talk about abuse, addiction, suicidal ideation, and creating normalcy around those conversations, it's really nice to see as a therapist. So that's one of those things that are very beneficial of what social media offers. And I totally feel you on the fine line of finding that creative balance, but not letting it be overwhelming. And along with that, I think it's difficult sometimes to stay unique almost because you have to think about all these things of like, okay, let me do a mental checklist of all the pages I follow. Do I sound like any of them? And I think that's also one of those things to that we have to be aware of is like a lot of what we know in the field, unless it's very specific and specialized, can sound like what someone else has just said. And you never want infringe on anyone else's intellectual property. So 
I think that's also been one of those things that's like, huh, this is an interesting new, new thing that I find myself having to think about and worry about as well. Well, and I mean, with that being said, if I could just share some encouragement, even if you are like, if a therapist out there on social media is posting about panic attacks, for example, we all have, you know, as therapists, you know, a baseline understanding of it, but how you explain it or how you talk about it is different than how somebody else talks about it. So even if it feels as though the content is already out there, what I try to remind myself is I'm unique and my perspective about it is unique. My education about it is unique too. So I'm just kind of sprinkling and throwing that out there so that hopefully, you know, that can support you being a little bit more confident about what you want to share. Yes. Thank you for that reminder. And with that, I think we both want this conversation. If you take anything from it is to encourage people or encourage therapists, really, if you have been thinking about it, really highly consider social media, because when you are in school, you kind of get told like, oh yeah, you probably shouldn't be on social media. You know, I've been loving it. I find (laughs) that I'm making more friends that are therapists that help create this community of connection and networking. And it's been really fantastic. And it's one of those things that if you are comfortable with, and if you've been considering, I would very highly suggest taking the step. I think the other piece about modern therapy that maybe we can dive into in another episode is also the surgeons of coaching and coaching actually being sometimes in tandem with therapy. I've seen, I don't know if you've you've seen this too, differences with this. So I've seen some therapists and, and individuals have both trainings. And so they offer both. I've seen some therapists get so tired of the restrictions that we face as therapists. So many restrictions. I know that they like completely leave therapy and just become coaches. (laughs) I don't know why that's making me laugh, but some people do that. I I think it's because you imagine leaving all of that education and training behind. Not that you won't still use it because it's a part of you, but that would be so tough. Yeah. And I, okay. So I'm laughing about the, the restrictions. I'm, I'm saying that because as therapists, right. So I'm licensed in California and Florida, so I can work with people only in California and Florida. So if you message me on Instagram and say, you live in Washington and want therapy with me, I can't do it. So that's what we're talking about as part of it. So I, I know some therapists are just so frustrated and annoyed by that because again, in the last year, everyone's gone to telehealth and more and more people are open to telehealth. And I think more and more people realize that it's just as effective as seeing somebody in person. So that's why I laugh about that. But also, you know, with coaching, I feel like as a field, we're split about it. Like some people are like, go for it. It's great. You should do it. And then I feel like other therapists, and maybe these are more of like the older school therapists are like, no, it's not the same education. You're not adding the same type of value. I would be against it. I would be curious what you've seen in the field about it. No, I've seen the split. And to me, that's what has stood out the most. And it might be because I haven't put too much thought into it to really make a decision on my own. But even even saying that out loud doesn't feel right because I am usually on the school of, hey, if this is working for you, go for it. 
you know, and why does it have to be limited to just being a therapist and just doing the work under your license? I would probably lean more toward that. What I will say though, is we also see a wave of coaching that comes from people who don't have any type of like background or education or training. And I would say, I don't necessarily feel the same about that when there is this idea of like, I'm, I'm providing this like help and psychoeducation on X, Y, and Z. I do feel that it is important to have background in that when it comes to coaching without any type of training or credentials, I might not look at it the same way as if I did ones that are backed up by it. Yeah, this is honestly making me want us to bring a coach on to our episode so we can talk about it a little bit further because I'm so curious to hear what more and more people think about this. But again, this is part of the the conversation about being a modern therapist. Some people incorporate coaching and other services into their practices. Absolutely. I think some tidbits on us, some tidbits on why we started this podcast and Clearly we're, we're getting these light bulb moments of future episodes and future guests that we want, but I want to extend this conversation to any listeners that we have out there. I would love for us to create an engaging conversation of what you guys want to hear, who you might want to hear, things that you feel like aren't as transparent or information that's not as easy enough to find, whether you're a client, someone who's interested in mental health or a therapist we would love to have these conversations with you. If you are interested in being a guest or you want us to talk more about a specific topic, feel free to go to our website and also feel free to go to our Instagram pages. I'm at Therapy with Janet B. And I'm at Sessions with Susie. Thank you for joining us today on Couch Time. You can find show notes for this episode linked in the description along with all our references and resources mentioned today. If you enjoyed this episode, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss the next one. We will chat again soon. Bye.